take charge of your leadership development. Join our How to Take the Lead Substack community for bonus materials, exclusive content, and discussions that will challenge and change the way you lead. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find out more. Before anybody thinks Lee's trying to say that I just recruit any old body willy-nilly into my team. Yeah, you seem nice. Come on in. You're listening to How to Take the Lead with Lee Griffith and Carrie Ann Wade. Two corporate colleagues turned business besties who question everything we've ever learned about leadership. What started with us putting the world to rights over a gin after work is now a weekly show challenging the myths and perceptions and exploring what leadership looks like in the modern day. We'll also be sharing our experiences and stories along the way. You can find our show notes at howtotakethelead.com. Hit subscribe to receive new episodes every Thursday. Plus, we'd love for you to rate or leave a review of the show. And please share your thoughts and stories on the topics we cover using the hashtag #HowToTakeTheLead. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of How to Take the Lead, our podcast series. Lee, it's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you too. It's been too long. It's been a while. How are you? What have you been up to since the last episode? Uh, it's basically been eat, drink, sleep, take the dog out for a poo on cycle talk out for a poo i love it on repeat <laughs> yeah basically i hope your life's had a bit more meaning and purpose to it <laughs> i don't know i think eat sleep repeats definitely on now i'd like to get i'd like to get a bit more nice rested sleep which doesn't seem to happen for me but there you go that's just how it is and i'd like the sun to come back out last oh. time we were last time we were chatting it was a nice sunny sunny day and now today I've got rain and I feel cold and chilly and back to like autumnal vibes so roll on some proper summer that's what I say I've got the comfies on yes absolutely comfies on loving it so we thought you might like just to find out a little bit more about us and our leadership journey so we thought we'd share some of our leadership lessons in case you'd got to episode three and you were thinking what do this pair know about leading anything (laughs) we thought it might be helpful to share some of some of our leadership lessons that we've encountered through our own journeys so I won't ramble on for too long I'll get to it if you're happy for me to to jump yeah. straight in and share one of mine Lee so um I would definitely say I'm reflecting on my own um kind of leadership journey there's definitely been something for me about trying to step up into the space before you've got the actual job that you're going for so Ooh. quite often uh in my leadership journey it has been about getting that promotion or stepping up into the next senior role and I think for me one of of my learnings has definitely been about how do you step into and act into that space before you've got the job um I think for me almost about trying to demonstrate that I'm capable um, Mm. and ready for that next step so I've always offered to take on things that maybe support my development stretch me a bit um outside of the current role that I've been in Um, that's been something I've always been keen to do although I will put a word of warning on that one don't do it too much otherwise basically you just end up doing two jobs for the price of one yeah yeah (laughs) so that would be my my caveat on that one but um definitely for me there's been something about trying to identify those opportunities and kind of stepping into that space for sure it's a bit like doing a power pose isn't it like yeah when they they say do the power pose and it'll make you feel comfortable and confident yeah it's like taking the actions you can almost picture yourself in that role if you start doing the actions of that role 
Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something about that confidence build. And I guess a little opportunity to test out whether it is something you do really want to do or not, because there might be times when you aspire to certain things in your career that actually when the reality hits in, you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be like at all. Totally. I mean, I was like that with uh, managing people. I always thought, oh, it'd be so much easier if I was just in charge. And then I got in charge. I was like, I really don't like this. Let me. (laughs) (laughs) This is not for me. I'm not enjoying this at all. So um, (laughs) that is such a good example. Try it before you buy. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, try before you buy. And and I think there's something about sort of researching as well, what people who are recruiting into those positions that you're aspiring to step into really might be looking for. So for example, in some of my Mm. earlier roles, and I think it's less like this now, actually, but in some of my earlier roles, there was definitely this uh, professional development need and like needing to have certain qualifications or certain things sort of as part of your development journey. So for me, it was about early doors researching some of those and then investing in my own development to be able to demonstrate that I've sort of taken that seriously mm-hmm. and that I do want to develop myself. So yeah, that was, that was just for me the first thing that sprang to mind as sort of early part of my my leadership life or, or journey to becoming a leader. I love that. So so one of my learnings is almost looking at it from the other way. So you've you've got that job that you've aspired to. And when you step into that position, potentially in a new organisation, one of my biggest bits of learning was how you enter that well and you make sure you're making the right impact. So um, I think when I moved into one of my first senior leadership positions, I thought that they expected me to come in and transform and turn everything around, which was the brief they gave me. And I thought that meant they were really unhappy with everything that had been before. So I played to that a bit. And I didn't really think about actually the thoughts and feelings of people who'd been there before and I didn't really need to show that I was better than everyone else someone sat me down it was it was my line manager at the time and she said look you know you're doing a great job but just remember that this person before has spent six months working on this project and you coming in saying you know everything needs to change isn't really going to get on very well with them so you know just just be a bit more <laughs> um, yeah considerate of other people yeah. and it was the first time that I'd actually I thought oh shit you know I hadn't really thought that people would I don't know react in that way I thought they were expecting me to come in and do the big bang yeah and there is a way that you can enter an organization that, is, that still makes a big bang but without disrupting and upsetting people and, and and I think that can be a sort of easy thing to do can't it because you're almost so focused on you and how you want to land in the organization and the fact you've got that next big job and that big task ahead of you that it can be quite easy I think to be so focused on that that you almost do forget a little bit that there are other people who are going to be impacted by the fact that there's a new new leader or a new person kind of running the show. Yeah so it was a really sombering moment for me and it was one that you know god knows over a decade plus you know years on I still think about that moment and it's and it has definitely carved and changed the way that I've approached when I've started new relationships and actually the work I do now as, as well is um, helping people to enter into their new jobs in a way that makes the right impact because I completely recognize that I, perhaps I didn't in in every aspect 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you should say about like things that stick with you that people feed back to you because quite often it can be those moments of feedback or a comment that somebody makes that maybe sticks with you in terms of kind of how you progress forward and how you move forward. And Mm. definitely for me, there's been something about it's kind of linked to my first learning around more around kind of saying yes to opportunities more and Mm -hmm. identifying opportunities um, that might broaden your horizons give you that development um chance that you might not have and I I remember being a bit of a moaner actually I was being a moaner mini at somebody (laughs) about like I always come to this meeting all they talk about is like one specific topic and one specific part of the industry that I work within and I've got you know it really gets my goat like I get really frustrated by it because it should be much broader opportunity to talk about other stuff and and I just remember the person said to me well, if you don't like it, you know what you can do, do something about it then. Like, mm-hmm. and it was a bit like, oh, right, yeah, okay, it's probably not the best thing for me to just be moaning <laughs> without taking action. And that led to me putting myself forward for something, stepping out of my comfort zone. I ended up being the chair of a national network, which would never have come about really if somebody almost hadn't challenged me to go. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you want to see a difference, you have to be a difference a little bit. Yeah, like, don't yeah. just be. Don't just be sat at the back moaning and throwing the rotten tomatoes or jeering people. Actually step up and, and make that difference. So um, that that kind of comment always sticks with me. And I always think that now, like if there's stuff that I am feeling a bit like uncomfortable with or this doesn't feel right or it's not hitting the mark for me, actually what's my responsibility in that, particularly mm. as a leader, um, to take some actions and maybe try to exert some positive change. Mm-hmm. So yeah that's quite interesting it links quite closely with the a lot of stuff we've talked about in the past about integrity and integrity being everything and absolutely that means taking action against stuff if you if you hold strong beliefs or or views also it means and this is one of my kind of biggest learnings is that you know it can also not just mean say yes but say no to stuff and sometimes it it might be about going against what you've been told to do by someone and it can be really hard when you're so maybe it's someone more senior than you that's giving you a directive to do something but it goes against what you believe or your values or whatever and I think it's a real character building moment when you first come up against that type of situation where you're like, right, you know, I could technically take the action that they wish, but it just doesn't sit right with me. And and you have to start to think through, well, what are the consequences if I don't take this action? Or, you know, if I stand up for myself at this moment and is it worth it? And all of those types of things. And it can, and it can feel a really, really big thing. And often it's probably not (laughs) in the grand scheme, but it it can potentially be one of those first moments of conflict that you reach. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to put you on the spot, Lee, and say Mm. like, can, can you remember how did it feel that kind of first time or first few times where you you felt like you had to say no or, or like say the opposite of maybe what else was being said in the room and kind of stand up for a different point of view I mean I, I can remember a couple of times where I took the action so I didn't stand up and, and I think probably it was the feeling of almost thinking oh I shouldn't have done that that then made me more hardened when when it came up again I think it links back to one of our previous episodes when we were talking about being comfortable in ourselves. When I started to, I suppose when I realised there was a disconnect between behaviours and attitudes of people and my values and I decided that I was going to lean more into that myself, I kind of just stopped 
giving a flying whatever. <laughs> flying hoot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it might be. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I can I can remember actually having quite a, an argument with my chief exec at the time because they wanted me to do something and it was really against what I thought was, was right. Um and I and I the the buzz I felt afterwards for standing up for myself and standing up to them definitely outweighed the feelings that I felt when I took actions before, but might have been a bit more people pleasing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think the people pleasing thing's really interesting because I'm naturally a people pleaser and I'm fairly conflict avoidant, I would say. And it's taken me a long time in my career to think that it's okay to set some boundaries because mm. I guess fundamentally some of what you're talking about is being clear on your boundaries and doing some of that boundary setting and again it's probably yeah. language that I didn't really hear until I was a bit no. further on in my career so probably early doors I wouldn't have thought about setting a boundary in the workplace about anything I probably just linked to my first learning point about saying yes more maybe saying yes you know saying yes a bit too much because it's like doing that people pleasing thing but it hasn't been until a bit later into my kind of career and my work in life I've really had conversations about boundary setting and being clear with expectations and it being okay to say no about things and I think Mm. that's can be quite an eye-opener a bit enlightening to go actually it's all right to say no it's all right to say no I don't have capacity or no that's not a priority I don't know it took a while to realize for me that that was okay and do you think that that is linked to rising up the ranks and your seniority felt like you gave more permission to yourself to say no to stuff because that was showing leadership? Um, do you think, you know, if you'd stayed at a, a more junior level, you would have still been in the same place in terms of learning that that experience? I think possibly, yeah, I think from a leadership point of view, definitely as you step up and as you said, rise through the ranks, I think there is an expectation and you become more responsible for other people's activity and what they're doing at work as well. And you feel the need maybe to be a bit more protective of your Mm. team's time or your organisation's time in terms of focusing them on the right things. So I think that boundary setting piece and that ability to say no becomes a bit more prominent in your work in life although I think some of it maybe comes a bit with age as well and just becoming more confident in yourself as an individual Um, because I guess quite a lot of these lessons we're talking about in terms of you know life as a leader but I guess some of them are equally as transferable into your personal life and how you choose to operate as a person so I think I think probably a mixture of both the seniority and the kind of rising through and then the confidence more as a person to say no actually that's not for me or Mm. I I don't I don't actually need to do that there is a a better way and just feeling confident to have those conversations Mm. so what would you go back you know if you're going to speak to the young Carrie-Anne and when you're first (laughs) first entering the workplace what, what would you be saying to her I think I would be saying stop being such a people pleaser, which is easy to say now in hindsight, isn't it? And when it's part of your natural makeup to be a mm. people pleaser, but actually, you know, to say, I th- I think I would be saying something like people don't expect you to say yes all the time. Yeah. I think people actually expect in the workplace a bit of healthy challenge if it gets you to a positive outcome. So, um, yeah, don't think, don't think people necessarily always want the yes person. No, I think people 
do strangely respect you more if you do put your boundaries in place and say no to things and you know obviously as we as we said before if things if they get overplayed can become a, ch- a challenge or a weakness so you need to make sure you don't become the the Debbie Downer that's always saying no but you know if you've got a logic and a reason and a, a rationale of why you're saying no to something or sticking to that boundary or protecting your space or whatever it might be I think people respect you more and probably will be more likely to follow your lead absolutely and and I think there's something about demonstrating a bit of respect for yourself as well Mm. as well in doing that so yeah like that respect that's a good sort of a good theme a good a good thing to be thinking about on on both parts Are you a new, established or aspiring CEO looking to maximise your impact in the workplace? At Sunday Skies, I help you get clear on your big vision, create a strategy that connects and the communication plan to deliver it. No matter where you are in your CEO journey through my unique blend of coaching and WU consulting, I will give you the strategy, support and space to succeed in post. Visit sundayskies.com to find out more and sign up for my email to receive intelligence and information that will challenge and change the way you lead. If you're enjoying this episode of How to Take the Lead, please hit subscribe and why not leave a review or rating. We'd also love to hear your stories and thoughts on today's topic. Please DM us, our links are in the show notes or tag us into your socials using the hashtag How to Take the Lead. I think for me, one of the things around boundary setting and understanding more about sort of what your personality type is and how that might impact you in the workplace is definitely come from having additional support and people around me that build that network so Mm. that would definitely be one of my leadership lessons is to build and invest in having people around don't don't think you have to do it all alone have people around you to support you and that might be you know, it's been a mixture of things for me, informal mentors and sort of coaches. And some of those are people who probably don't even know that that's the role they carry mm-hmm. out for me. And I, I recall saying to somebody before, I absolutely consider you like, re- you know, informal mentor to me. And they were, oh, I'm really flattered and a bit surprised because I don't think they'd realised that was kind of the role that I'd put them in, in terms of my sort of circle and my network, really. But, you know, some of it might be more formal so taking on a formal coach or a formal mentor to support you and I think often in your role as a leader you become somebody who coaches and mentors other people because of your leadership role but I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to reflect on and make that time to make sure you've got that in your for you as well in terms of your own development so yeah and my, my learning has been don't be afraid to ask so I've been lucky enough to be in a position where I've been able to afford to pay for my own coach um, in the past few years in terms of my own development Mm. but actually I had an appraisal in my workplace and kind of put that in the mix to say you know I have been investing in myself and my boss was like oh I don't know why you haven't said anything like we should be investing in that for you and basically we then had a conversation about whether or not my work could support Mm. some of my and so I think there was some lessons there for me as well about it's really important that you focus and invest in your own professional development as a leader but equally your organization probably needs to as well yeah and I feel really strongly about that whole thing around developing yourself because 
I think that if you um, don't, you become irrelevant and you you become out of touch and out of date. And um, just maintaining the status quo means you're heading backwards. So there's a lot of kind of cliches in, the, in that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is, and I and I think that people can feel guilty for investing time in themselves, in their personal development or their professional development. And I've been fortunate that I've been given that time and space in, in my career. I've always encouraged that of my teams because I can yeah. see it's really important. But even now, I still get people coming to me as as one-to-one clients and they'll go, oh, you know, I need to try and fit this in around work or I need to do it in my spare time. I'm like, no, this is part of your work if you're developing yourself you're developing your skills you're going to give more back to the organization and you shouldn't feel like you need to justify that yeah if it was if it was was formal training um or something you know if it was part of a hr policy you're given time to do that in the workplace and that's the same should be for broader development yeah sorry (laughs) soapbox (laughs) soapbox mate i was gonna say i think it's that permission thing isn't it around um you know, giving yourself permission and us as leaders giving other people permission for that to just be part of how they operate in the workplace. But I definitely think you've touched on something there that happens a lot, that people don't think they have the permission to do that development during during work time, that they mm-hmm. have to do that all in their own time. That's not to say don't do that if that's what floats your boat and you want to do. But like you say, I think we should all absolutely be encouraging people to, to do that development as part of their working working hours one of my biggest learnings and they're they're slightly interrelated so I'm going to give you two learnings if that's all right (laughs) the price of one I'm loving it so my first one is this whole notion of you need to be tough to be a manager or to show authority there needs to be a toughness and I cringe and I've, I've shared it if you've watched if you've ever watched the insta lives you'll have heard me share this story before but when I was coming up the ranks in in management I can vividly remember a meeting where I slammed my hand on the desk to make a point because I needed to show I was really angry at something that people had done and God, it was the one and only time I've ever done it. It 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 didn't feel. Thank right. goodness, I'm really glad you said that, Lee. <laughs> by the way, it was it was like I need. I felt like I needed to do something to show to show my emotion and my feeling and show I was really tough on that matter because that's what other people in my organisation at the time would do to to show that they were really you know serious. Um. And it just, yeah, it felt, I think everyone looked at me going, is she all right? What's going on? Because well, it's completely, to leave. <laughs> it's completely out of character. But also, um, you know, I was like, oh my God, this is, I've just become one. You know, it was, again, it was one of those moments that started to shape me going, this isn't the kind of person I want to be. And I realised that you don't have to be, we've talked about elbows out yeah. and, and alpha female. Um, you know, I lived, that experience in my management career and um you don't need to do that to succeed you definitely don't want to do that if you're trying to connect with people and I think my second if I can bridge carefully into my like second part of learning which um is interrelated and um where you and I perhaps have different experiences is is the I'm an introvert by nature and um 
I'm not someone that likes to be all jazz hands about stuff. Um, not that I'm saying that every extrovert is all jazz handing all over the place. I, but... I am occasionally, though, I have to <laughs> confess. But I do like I... the occasional jazz hand. <laughs> it's quite a time and a place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I know that I was told quite a lot about, oh, well, you need to be seen to be speaking up more in meetings and you need to be louder and blah, blah, blah. And it just felt, you know, I just didn't want to be one of those people that spoke for the sake of speaking. I, I wanted my impact to come across that the people knew when I spoke, I had something really of value to add. And I thought that was more impactful than just being seen to speak on every topic in, in every meeting. But I still hear people going, oh, I'm told I'm too quiet or I need to speak up more in meetings. And I'm like, no, there is a different way that you can make an impact. Actually, like the point you make there is like it takes a bit of everything to make the world go round doesn't it so like for me it's like you don't want to be in a room full of people who are always going to have the same exactly the same reaction or you know say and suggest exactly the same thing you need that diversity and that you know breadth of different experience different skill sets to really deliver um the best outcomes I personally think so you know like you say it might it might sometimes take us a while to get to being comfortable and confident being who we are in a room as a leader but actually it's really important that we that we do operate in that way and with that Mm. integrity and I think that that kind of takes me on to one of my learnings and I guess as a leader you don't always end up with the responsibility of building and and developing a team depending kind of where you're at but I think most of the time that is part of what what you might need to do at some point in your leadership journey And and it is just that for me like I think I've definitely learned through my career to build my teams based on values and trust and behaviors more than uh being based on kind of skills set I think because for Mm. me I feel like you can teach people the skills but you can't always teach people the attitudinal and the behavioral stuff Mm. and I've been very lucky that at different points in my career people have taken a chance on me and recruited me over others who may perhaps have had in my perception more experience or stronger skill set in a certain area but obviously people have seen something in me that they feel like will bring something to the team and so I feel like it's my my job to kind of pay that forward now and that I should always Mm. be looking out for some of that untapped talent and actually you know if you can build a team of people who trust each other I think the good performance follows And if you've got a team of people who have um, the right values and behave in ways that are respectful of each other, and I don't know, I feel like that sometimes can go a longer way than going, I just want five people who all know how to do X, because actually I can, I could teach three of those people how to do X if they've got the right kind of value set and behaviors. So Mm. I feel like that's potentially a whole other episode, but I feel like I have learned a lot about building building teams based on how I've been recruited and, yeah. and come into teams but also based on my own experiences and I, and I have had those occasions where we've gone we really need a person who's brilliant at why in the team and and sometimes gone for the person in in a recruitment process that technically is the best at delivering those skills mm. and sometimes your gut feel is like they there's other stuff they're not demonstrating I know we don't yeah. like to call them softer skills but maybe some of that 
you know, empathy or whatever you might want to be bringing into your team in terms of the culture. And actually that can sometimes make for a really difficult experience for the team and the individual. Yeah, there's it is almost like an equation. I wonder, someone might have actually written an equation about this. There, there is that thing, isn't there, of, of skills and expertise plus or divided by empathy and yeah and other other kind of values led and all those other things that that you need so I because I I completely agree with you and it really gets my goat when you go through recruitment processes particularly you know I work mainly with very senior leaders so when I see people who recruit based on expertise solely and you see that they overlook some of those broader skills that they need at that level that really really irritates me on the flip side I I do think when you are recruited into a role you do need some kind of assurance that they have skills and experience in something yes you can teach them but you can have really nice values-led people who don't want to learn anything new or don't want to and I do do just want to put a caveat on this conversation (laughs) that I just don't recruit any old body that I think is really nice there does have to be a balance but I think what I'm trying to say is you might miss out on a really talented person that you could develop (laughs) into the role if you only went based on the skill set before anybody okay. thinks Lee's trying to say that I just recruit any old body willy-nilly into my team. Yeah, I was trying nice. to come on in. I was trying to subtly like take us there just in case. <laughs> anyway, should we all, be- all hold jazz hands? So yeah, as prefer. long as you can do jazz hands, you're in the team. No, I absolutely do have slightly more rigorous thought processes behind my recruitment than that but anyway one thing that I really wanted to say that I think it's really important to look to learn from other leaders Mm. so you'll have leaders that whose styles and approaches and how they operate really resonate with you and just don't be afraid to pluck the best bits out of what what you've experienced yourself and what you see other leaders doing so one thing that really sticks with me has just been around uh, doing appraisals and I used to have a a manager who used to do your appraisal over a really nice lunch and you got to pick the venue you'd get treated to lunch and then you spend a couple of hours doing your appraisal and your objective setting just taking you out of the office environment felt like such a treat and a reward that 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 stays with me it wasn't one of those sandwiches, though, where they'd like take you to a really nice venue, no. dump dump a whole load of stuff on you, and then oh, you get a, you know a cocktail at the end, <laughs> <laughs> the, the good bad good sandwich. No, yeah. it wasn't one of those. It genuinely felt like a nice reward for doing a good job for 12 months although I'm not sure what would happen then if you had somebody who'd done a really bad job we're gonna have a rubbish appraisal they just get the meeting room they down went the to corridor. yeah they get the meeting room down the corridor but be as aware of the bad stuff I guess yeah. as well that you've seen that doesn't work for you and try not to replicate that in your leadership I've very much you've you've looked at the positive in what you want to be in people and I've gone I definitely don't want to be like them <laughs> and taken made sure I've avoided those negative traits (laughs) we like to make sure that people have got a few um, tips and takeaways so if you haven't wanted to listen to us uh, for an entire episode you by now will know to just come to the end the how-to section so um, Lee some of your top tips and takeaways around your leadership lessons that might help people so my 
takeaways would be, I think getting tough in management doesn't mean banging your hand on a desk. And whilst we're on the subject of hands, you don't need to be all just hands to make an impact. Um, Entering an organisation well makes all the difference. I would also say just do a general reflection piece yourself. I think there's some key questions you could, having listened to this episode, ask yourself about, you know, what have I learned in my leadership? Who do I look up to? Who do I want to make sure that I don't become like? Am I living true to my values? So I think there's a reflective piece that people could take away from today as well. Definitely. I don't disagree with anything you've said. And I guess the only the only additions I would make would just be thinking about uh, if you can step into the role you want to be in rather than the one you are in early and find uh, the opportunities and and the support to do that and make sure you think about nurturing and building your network um, to support you uh, as you go through your leadership journey. Love it. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you're the first to receive new episodes when they drop every Thursday. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you would rate it or leave a review. And let us know your thoughts and own experiences. Get in touch with either of us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram. Or use the hashtag how to take the lead. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.